Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello everyone, I'm really excited to come for another episode of the Intuitive Business Podcast. This is going to be posted both on YouTube and um, in all the apps for podcasts. And today our episode is um, called Chocolate as a Mindset Tool. And that's really a really exciting time for me to talk about this because just like with business, intuition is 50% mindset. And the other 50% is learning to know how your intuition speaks to you and how to understand it. And of course, having the courage to act on it. So mindset is really, really important on our intuitive journey in business. Also, because we're likely not to find so, too many people who are going to use their intuition in business. And for this reason, we might feel awkward or weird. And of course, the, the purpose of this podcast is that we would come to a point, a tipping point where there'll be enough people who value their intuition in business that we don't have to feel like outsiders anymore. So let's talk about mindset. Mindset has the word mind in it. And as a clinical hypnotherapist in training, I would like to explain to you what I learn about the mind and the brain that has enabled me to explain and understand intuition so much better, but also how to have the right mindset to act on my intuition. So we have a wonderful brain. That brain has a fear center called the amygdala. And we also have the prefrontal cortex that uh, leads to the creative mind. And the, you cannot be in the two spaces at the same time. And how it happens is whenever you encounter a situation, you have a thought about it, you have a reaction about it. And depending on whether it's a positive or a negative reaction, this thought will lead you to use your creative mind, which is a solution-oriented uh, part of your mind, which is also where most creative solutions are found. And uh, Or if it's negative, it'll take you straight to your amygdala to fear and worry, right? And that's perfectly normal. There's no judgment here. The brain has been conceived that way to protect you. Um, but it's also where your stories and beliefs are formed. And the danger comes when we believe the stories that we have created over our experiences and when we believe our own beliefs to be true no matter what, okay? Because this is, um, this is actually just conditioning. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit how it happens. It's because we, the amygdala um, governs two, um, I think it's glands, uh, called the hippocampus and the hypothalamus. I call them the two hippos because I don't like these complicated words, even though I can say them. 
I think we should simplify things for everyone. So the hypothalamus, I'm going to talk about it the first. And this is a crucial thing in hypnotherapy. And that's why clinical hypnotherapists can actually help a lot of people who have problems with digestion, fertility, sleep, fatigue, um, and all sorts of things. So the hypothalamus is the link between the nervous system and the endocrine system, which is basically what produces your hormones. And it does that via the pituitary gland. Can't even pronounce the name. So any input, sensory input, or any uh, thoughts that you have that trigger that fear response uh, will have an impact on your hunger levels, the temperature in your body, your heart rate, your digestion, your fertility, your sleep, your autonomic nervous system, your fatigue level of fatigue, and your attachment even. So in parenting, it's quite important. So that's one of the, hip, the hippos. The other hippos that we're going to focus on is the hippocampus, which is a wonderful device that organizes your experience into your memory center um, to form stories and beliefs. It's here to make sense of life, right? So I never liked spiders. And this is also how phobias are, 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 are created. Uh, I, know, I never liked spiders. Um, and so one summer when I was 12 or 13, no, actually I was a little bit older than that, a spider bit me and I had a violent reaction to it because actually I'm allergic to insect bites generally. I react very, very strongly to it. And I had a massive um, allergic reaction to it. So of course this experience reinforce my dislike of spiders into something that spiders are, are, you know, a threat to my health. That, I seem to have managed this relatively okay, even though I just didn't want to be near a spider and I'd probably want to actually come out of a room with a spider. Um, but what happened one summer is my, my little brother, who was with his best friends, we were spending some time um, Together with my best friend, uh, I was then, you know, um, 18 or 19, I could drive, he was 16, and um, he always had a, pl a plastic spider in the country house where we used to spend some time that was pinned to the wall. Uh, and it was kind of scary, but I knew it was a plastic spider, so I was like, gross, I don't want to get in your room, but do what you want. However, his best friend had an idea to put a spider that looked exactly the same as his plastic spider into a box of matches. And at that time I smoked, my entire family smoked apart from my dad. And so I, um, I went to light a cigarette, opened the matchbox, saw the spider. And my first reflex was, oh, that's okay. It's, it's um, my brother's plastic spider. But actually very shortly after that, the, one of the leg moved and then I just screamed to the top of my lungs, dropped the matchbox on the floor. And of course I was infuriated. But this reinforced, as you can see, my, my hippocampus went from not liking spiders to spiders cause um, discomfort and even threaten my health to um, the level of phobia, spider phobia. And it's only when I trained in clinical hypnotherapy that I was able to disconnect or kind of soothe down my nervous system to the point when I'm okay with spiders. I still don't like them to crawl over me, 
but I won't scream anymore when I see a spider. So this is a very powerful, um, a very powerful tool that we have that helps us. The only problem with it is that your brain, your amygdala is not able to make the difference between real danger and imagination. So we live in a society that is constantly bombarding us with fear, worry, sometimes that are unfounded. And so our amygdala take it all in and it creates all these layers through the hippocampus of beliefs and filters that start to create the way we look at the world. It's almost like glasses. We look at the world through glasses. And it's a good thing because we have far too much sensory input and we wouldn't be able to process all of it. But the problem lies when we have unhelpful beliefs. And in terms of intuition, we have accumulated so many unhelpful beliefs. Uh, from religion, from our parents, maybe from being scolded as children because we knew something that we weren't supposed to know or that didn't make sense to our parents, so they told us not to be silly. Um, so it's, it's something that happens automatically, and it's a protection mechanism, right? So when you're little, if you have a hot stove, you put your hand on it, it burns, the hippocampus equals hot plus hand equals pain, so it's bad, okay? So hot stove is bad. That's a good thing. We don't want to keep, you know, going and putting our hands on hot stoves and getting burned. That wouldn't be very pleasant. Right, but because it cannot filter between the imagination and the real danger, we are handed down a number of beliefs from our parents that actually might not be true. And we are definitely handed down a lot of unhelpful beliefs around intuition. So where was I with it? And, and the, re the, the thing is, the amygdala needs to um, react in an instant. So it doesn't have time to rationalize because uh, if there is a, a saber-toothed tiger outside your cave, you don't want to be asking yourself, has it had breakfast? Because otherwise you become breakfast, okay? So your, um, your amygdala is going to send a rush of adrenaline to make you run, hide, pretend to be dead, or fawn. Okay, these are the four, um, the four responses that are um, called a little bit different in the hypnotherapy world, but you get the idea. So far too much input means we have to filter, but we have to choose our filter. Once we get to, to adulthood, it is our job to question our filters, question the handed down beliefs that we got from our parents, society, our peers, uh, because they are very strong. And the more you hear something, the more likely you're going to take it almost as granted if you don't question it. Now, Let's get to the point of chocolate as a mindset tool. I'm going to share a little bit of my experience around chocolate and how it taught me lessons about unhelpful beliefs, but also how I ignored my intuition, even though it was spot on, because I had this belief that chocolate was bad. Okay, so I was raised by a woman who was on a permanent diet. Okay, my grandmother was also obsessed with being thin and uh, with people um, 
um, being attracted to her and oh, being attractive, let's put it more that way. And so when I turned 12, uh, my mum took me to the GP who said I had a risk of being obese. And because of that, the, she put me on a diet and she also restricted my sugar intake as in chocolates and sweets. But the bad thing about it is that no one else in the family did it. And my siblings could eat anything they wanted. So this created the belief, two beliefs for me. I'm fat, which wasn't even true back then. And it's still not true today. And I, I, and I want to go beyond the fat and the slim. That's just, well, it's definitely not going to be another episode on this podcast because it has no relation to intuition. But that's something I'm a bit passionate about because um, it creates so much stigma and it can affect female entrepreneurs who are not happy with their body. But that's for another uh, forum, another forum. So I, I had the belief that I was fat and I was believed that chocolate is bad and makes me fat. So I love something that's bad, so I'm bad. And it's very easy to come to this conclusion. However, once I moved out of my house, my parents' house, my relationship with chocolate was quite good. I managed to step away from that diet mentality. I had chocolate when I wanted it. And I started loving dark chocolate instead of um, milk chocolate, which is definitely not very good for your health. But dark chocolate, um, even though it has sugar in it, um, the com components of it, the ingredients that are in it, are actually ex exceed in... Um, Gosh, this is not said right. I need to put better words. The benefits of chocolate far exceeds um, the sugar that's in it. Right. I've said it. So my mother was actually bulimic, and I didn't know that when I was a child. So she was constantly on a diet. And, of course, she put me on a diet, you know, with the best of intent because she didn't want me to be fat because that was the most horrible thing that could ever happen to me. It wasn't being mean, it was being fat, right? Anyway, she was bulimic and she had a weakness for chocolate as well. So she handed me down her, her issue around chocolate. And this was made really clear to me when she came to visit me uh, when I was pregnant. Sadly, in my first pregnancy, I had premature labor at six months. I, the doctors were able to stop the labor, but then I had to um, finish the pregnancy on my back, basically, lying down all the time. I was only allowed on my feet one hour per day. So my mom came to help. And I had a stash of um, what we call Rocher Suchard in France. And that's um, that used to be my favorite type of chocolate. But what I would do is I would, it's kind of a chunky piece of chocolate but I would slice it at very thin slices and then I would put just one slice in my mouth and let it melt. And it was my, my treat for the day. Now I witnessed my mother come to my house and gobble down the three Hoshi Susha I had in my cupboard in less than two minutes. Not only was I angry at her because this was my daily treat to get, help me cope with the stress of, you know, worrying about my baby and not being able to do anything, being trapped at home not being able to go and buy these chocolates if I wanted them. And, but as well, I was like, how can she do it? Like gobble three in, in, and I, it wasn't not right for me to judge her, but we had a difficult relationship back then. 
Okay, so this is the background. This is the beliefs I have around chocolate. And, and here comes a new event in my life way, way later. Okay, we're talking um, 20 years later. In March 2019, I had a car accident um, that created a level of pain that I'd never experienced before. And none of the pain medication worked because either they didn't touch the pain or if they did, they had such horrendous side effects that I used them once and then I said never again. So I was left with this intense level of pain and my body found the solution. The solution was dark chocolate, but my mind had this belief that chocolate was bad and so it resisted it. So my body won in the end. I kept on eating dark chocolate every day and it really helped with the pain but I was constantly judging myself for doing that. And it was exhausting. It was really exhausting. And I, I'm illustrating this with the chocolate because it could be the same thing that you're doing with your intuition. Your intuition might lead you to do something, but your mind thinks it's a bad thing because first maybe you don't have any uh, rationale for it or you don't have the data yet to support your, um, your decision. And it's going to judge and try to stop you doing what's right for you, what your intuition has suggested for you. And this reminds me of the, the powerful book by, um, I think it's Mel Robbins, Mel Robbins, uh, where she talks about the five second rule. Uh, I will put the link to the book uh, in the show notes. So head over when you finish listening to this episode. Um, sorry, I'm writing it down whilst I'm, I'm talking for those of you who watch the video because I don't want to forget. Um, she says that inspiration um, is going to be, um, your mind is going to try and, and get rid of that inspiration within five seconds of you having a great idea. It's the same thing we're talking about. Your intuition will give you, you will say, like mine did, go and eat some dark chocolate. It will help you. But because my mind didn't have that belief that chocolate was good for pain relief, it fought me all the way. And that's, that's a waste of energy, okay? So my body knew what I needed, and my mind thought it was bad. It was in, in a conflict that really was a waste of energy. But, and I had this pain for a good six months, and then I still, then I went into a depression mode, and I had to start antidepressants and everything else. So I continued to eat the chocolate, and it was good for me for another reason, but it became a habit, it was no longer my intuition telling me to eat that chocolate. And in October 2020, it got even worse because it went from being a habit to suddenly being out of control around chocolate. And I just didn't understand it. And again, I started judging myself. I started um, you know, um, belittling myself. All that is mindset. All that comes from, from our unhelpful beliefs. What was really happening is my body this time was helping me deal with the anniversary of a huge trauma that happened to me on two occasions in my life. But the most recent one is that in October 2019, so a year before I started eating that chocolate almost mindlessly, and I, there's another piece of the puzzle. My mother abused me for the last time because since then, since October 2019, I haven't spoken a word to her and she knows that she's no longer welcome in my world. But I was still, uh, I was suffering some incredible um, 
financial backlashes because of the car accident because I hadn't been able to work in my business and my business plummeted from me reaching my goals on uh, my, my financial goals to suddenly hardly covering my, my costs. So you can imagine it was a very stressful time. And it's that time that my mother chose to um, speak some pretty horrible words, uh, as she always does when I'm at my lawyer's. So this was the last stroke that, you know, made me decide to no longer be in touch with her. But a year later, because I hadn't really processed the trauma of her abuse, because it's something she does on a regular basis. So I kind of time to discard it and say, it doesn't matter. It's not my business, etc. But I knew I got quite upset that autumn 2019, but I hadn't processed it. So my body, when we came to the anniversary of that huge argument that we had, started using the chocolate to soothe myself. So this time it was using as a stimming um, um, activity. And now for those of you who don't know stimming and who don't know much about autism, first, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sort of like coming out of a closet as an autistic person. I, I stim, although it's only very recently, like in the past six months that I started understanding what stimming is and that I did it. And so the type of chocolate that I love the most, or that actually maybe makes me eat more at the moment or, or when I have stress, is has nuts in it, um, hazelnuts. And it's really lovely. But I realized uh, in the past few weeks that it's a stimming mechanism because it's the crunching that helps me to deal with the overwhelm. So it's yet doing, chocolate is yet doing something else that serves me, that supports me, but my mind again is judging because it doesn't understand what my body knows. The reason why I'm insisting so much about that mindset thing is that your intuition will come through your body and your mind is likely to always judge it and try to demean it and even try to shoot it down uh, to uh, invalid um, invalidate it, that's the word, okay? What I want you to think about as a conclusion for this episode is try to reflect on something that you do that maybe your body is asking you to do, that maybe your mind is judging uh, and make it a mindset journey Make it a mindset discovery. Be curious about it and trying to go to the bottom of what is happening so that you can pluck out those un, um, unhelpful beliefs. Obviously, I want you to do that in the context of intuition and using your intuition in business. So chocolate was just an illustration for me to show you how chocolate can be a mindset tool for self-awareness and self-reflection. I would love to have your um, feedback on this episode or your thoughts, maybe your aha moments. So if you're on social media, can you please um, use the hashtag intuitive business um, podcast aha, okay, two hashtags. And uh, if you can tag me, if we're connected on Facebook, this is where I live most of the time, Facebook and LinkedIn. So if you post on Instagram, it's not going to reach me, but, but it doesn't matter. And then add the link to the podcast that you've listened, because I really want this podcast to reach as many people as possible. And even though we're already in the top 5% of um, charts, I would like to reach a one, the, one, the top 1%. So it has more impact in the world. So... Thank you so much for talking to me, for listening to me, sorry, uh, today. And I will see you again next week with our next guest.
Thank you for watching and listening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.